host, Emma Kerr, and this is Frederick Uncut. This week, 316 individuals were counted as homeless in Frederick County during the annual federal snapshot survey, representing a 70-person increase since 2014. Reporter Wyatt Massey accompanied Frederick Community Action Agency employees as they conducted the annual 2019 count. So Wyatt, this survey is mandated by the federal government every year. It's an annual point-in-time survey, right? And can you just tell us a little bit about the meaning? Uh, What kind of meaning can we take from the survey? It's just one day. It's just one um, count. What is it used for and and where's the meaning? Yeah, advocates that administer this survey across the the nation will say that it's just a snapshot. It's a 24-hour look at people that are homeless, um, specifically people that are either in an emergency shelter, in transitional housing, or sort of on their own living on the street. There's some groups that aren't counted, um, such as people that are doubled up. Like if you are homeless and you're living on your friend's couch, you would not be counted. Um, But essentially this number figures out the number of people who fit one of those categories that the Department of Housing and Urban Development considers homeless. And then those numbers are reflective of the amount of federal funding that local um, municipalities and local organizations get to address the homeless issue in their local communities. And you had a chance to tag along with some of the workers here in Frederick counting up um, people experiencing homelessness here in Frederick City, right? What did you find? And can you just tell us about that experience? What did you see? What stood out to you? Yeah, so the Frederick Community Action Agency had four teams that were essentially going around the city and some of the areas around the city. And then they had partnered with other organizations throughout the county to do their own counts to get a countywide survey. So the team that I went with was two people, um, the assistant director of the Community Action Agency, Brad Peterson, um, as well as another um, individual who was working for the Community Action Agency. And we started by going through uh, a woods outside, um, sort of near Highland Avenue. Um, And that's an area where historically there's been quite a number of people sleeping. And we came across at least 15 to 20 tents. Hello? Everybody home? This tent here, you can see just from the snow that we had had, how the snow sort of into the tent itself. Someone was staying there, they wouldn't allow the snow to, you know, they'd be closing their door and everything. Whereas those two tents, you can see that they're, the snow's been pushed away. When did we have the snow? What? Over the weekend. So it looked like that snow had been pushed away over the weekend, since the weekend. And the same with that, that there's no snow like laying on the tent itself or the entryway where a person would come in and out of it. Sure. So just, you know, some hints like that help us. We're in for community action. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm Brad from community action. Did you ever that Biggest difference, I think, uh, this year is that we have our day shelter open. And I think that a lot of people might come down to be there, you know, at some point during the day. Okay, so this is the first time that daytime shelter has been open. Are those individuals in the shelter counted as well, though? They will. They'd be counted by a different team. So they wouldn't necessarily be missed. We just did not find them living in the woods at the time. Okay. And so when you're walking through that kind of, is like a campground, it kind of feels like a campground. There are a couple different tents. What other kinds of belongings are you seeing? And and who did you run into when you were there? Yeah, so we came across one individual. Um, He was cooking his sort of lunchtime meal using a propane heater. That's what a lot of individuals that are experiencing homelessness and then sort of living on their own use. Um, There's a lot of 
uh, use propane cans um, that are either used for cooking or heating tents at night. Um, the, the survey had happened in a week that had been really, really cold here in Frederick, like single digit temperatures. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I had talked with with some of the individuals who were experiencing homelessness, sort of what, what you do to stay warm um, and how that sort of affects them down the line. Yeah. So who was that individual? Is that uh, is that one of the individuals you quoted in your story? Yeah, there's a man named Thomas Orr, okay. um, who, who um, he told me that he had recently gotten out of jail um, and was looking for a job. And he said that was really difficult to to get up and to go about trying to find a job or find housing when a lot of his energy was just going to staying warm at night. For the first like week and a half, almost two weeks now, yeah, they haven't had uh, space at the what's it called at the um, shelter. So like that that was really hard. So it was, I mean, just trying to stay warm because that's when the weather was the worst, like lately. Yeah, where have you been staying? Um, to be honest, I sleep uh, in um, a sleeping bag. Just I'm just trying to find a place that's like, a, you know, what I mean, covered. And I just put a piece of cardboard down and lay in my sleeping bag. There's this idea that people who are experiencing homelessness are lazy, that they're just sort of living off the system and they're not trying very hard. And he made the point that he is trying hard, but so much of his energy and just mental and physical abilities is just staying warm and like being able to get up in the day. Because it's hard like when you got to fight the elements all night and then be expected to, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? If you can't even sleep because of how cold it is, like you're just literally just trying to move your body or whatever type of deal. Just to, you know what I mean? When you can't do that and then be expected to hold down um, like employment when to even attain employment at that point, you know what I mean? It's hard to think about designing the perfect resume or talking about your work experience when you're just trying to have your next meal and to stay warm that night. So when you were able to talk to some of these individuals, you mentioned with this individual um, just getting out, just being released from prison was maybe a, a reason that he was experiencing homelessness or, or an issue that was holding him back in some ways. What, what were some of the other things in Frederick that you think, um, you know, caused this homelessness? And, and did you get to talk to people on, on how they ended up where they are and, and what they need? Yeah, we know that throughout the county, the number of people that are sort of living on the margin, either people that are living below the federal poverty line or um, have incomes that don't cover the rising cost of living here, that number is increasing, um, whether that's looking at census data and the poverty line or the um, ALICE report that's put out by the United Way here. Um, so just the increasing cost of living is something um, that can happen and really affect people, and also just these shocks to their income. So you looked at the, the stories recently with the government shutdown and the number of people who can't survive missing a paycheck. So if you have a health emergency, if you suddenly lose your job, a lot of people can't withstand that um, and get back on their feet very quickly. And that can push them out um, into experiencing homelessness, whether that's through an eviction, whether that's through a medical emergency that causes them to lose their job, things like that. So those are pretty much nationwide trends. And um, with my research and the things just talking to different advocates here, I don't see any reason why that's not also happening in Frederick. So when you were out, um, you know, in the woods, out with these employees doing the survey, were they noticing anything different this year? Were they kind of commenting on, on what they were seeing and, and anything that, that seemed different over last year? Um, definitely the, the idea that there weren't as many people in the woods um, as previous years. And we talked about with the, with the warming shelter. Um, 
other than that, they didn't, nothing really stood out in particular mm-hmm. that was different from previ- previous years. I mean, the survey that they administer has pretty much the same questions every year. They're talking about getting the person's name, their age, um, if they have any income, and then any health-related issues, whether that's chronic health. Um, and some people would identify that they're having uh, mental health issues. That's Mental health um, is a big problem in people who are experiencing homelessness. And when you were talking to other individuals experiencing homelessness, what were some of the biggest challenges for them? You mentioned just finding a next meal. Were there anything, any other challenges that came up? Yeah, a number of people who are experiencing homelessness are working or they're sort of doing side jobs to cobble together some income. But it can be difficult to get a job um, if you're homeless. One, just having um, a good appearance if you're living out on the street can be very difficult because finding a shower and getting nice clothes to do an interview can be tough. Um, or designing a resume and getting it out, as we talked about, just having the the mental and physical strength to do that after sort of living on the street yourself. And then also just discrimination. One of the ladies I talked to, Jamie Andrews, sort of talked about she's just living on the street and she's trying to just engage people as one would, like if she says hello to someone just because of her appearance. And sometimes I think they even give me like a scowl, like if I'm sitting on the street and I'm tired, I'm just waiting or I'm hungry. They will. They'll turn their noses up like they don't want to see us. It's pretty sad. It, it also most, it hurts my feelings because I'm a person. Right. And you think people don't recognize that sometimes? I know they don't. Okay. They wish we weren't here. It's been very, very, very cold. We did get a heater finally last week, though, so we've had that for a few nights. That was donated to us, too, so that's really nice. The only thing that was really difficult is carrying all the things back and forth to our campsite. It, wears us down it's tiring yeah and i'm sort of wondering um in choosing to to stay near the costco how did you choose that site or what do you look for no one else is there (laughs) and i don't like to stay in groups of people although i do tell people where i stay because i want them to stop by and look out for me and like i told the police where i'm staying and they occasionally come by just because i am like alone sometimes there and i i prefer that people know just and as long as we're not like we're out of sight there's no problems with it. We don't create any trouble. We clean up after ourselves. Um, we have occasionally started like small fires out there to stay warm, but now that we have a heater, we don't do that anymore. And do you choose to sort of stay on your own for safety? Yes, yeah, this can be a very scary place at night. Um, there's a lot of drug addicts out here, but not everybody is. A lot of people have a lot of strong mental disabilities. Like, And I know that there are places to go, but some of us just don't want that kind of help. Sure. We just make a choice not to people sort of look down on her or don't want to engage with her because they judge her based on her appearance and the fact that she is sort of carrying all of her belongings in a series of bags. I can't bring my bags into any grocery, you know, stores with me and I have to carry them with me, so I have to leave everything at the front, whereas I see normal people, you know, they can bring three bags in with them, but because I look the way I do, I don't get that type of trust. So just facing that discrimination can be a huge challenge, you'd say? Yeah, the fact that Someone looks like they might be homeless. Mm -hmm. They say hello to you and you don't want to engage with them because you think they might ask for money. You think they might try to do something to you and you sort of turn away or act like you didn't hear them. Whereas if I was walking down the street and because I have a button down shirt on, you'd probably engage with me if I said the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so we won't have the numbers for this year until May. Is that right? Yeah. So the report goes um, one to the federal government and then a local organization here in the Maryland area will send out the sort of final report and that should be out sometime around May. Okay. Um, I can say that last year in 2018 that report found that there was 316 
individuals experiencing homelessness in Frederick County. 316, that was for 2018. And has that been a rise over over previous years? Yeah, so that is, that marks a 70% increase um, from, from previous years. In 2014, it was 246. So that number has been wow. increasing. Has that been consistently increasing year over year? Essentially, yes. Okay, so you might expect the trend to continue or did did employees not say what they... Um, they didn't want to comment for sure whether they okay. would say there would be, but um, all indicators says it'll either increase slightly or it might be an even bigger increase. Okay, great. Thanks for coming in, Wyatt. Thank you. Following a story reported on Frederick Uncut last week when Maryland Comptroller Peter Franco joined us to describe the long-term economic impacts of the government shutdown, this week furloughed workers are returning to work. President Donald Trump announced Friday he had signed a bill to temporarily end the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. In a short while, I will sign a bill to open our government for three weeks until February 15th. I will make sure that all employees receive their back pay very quickly or as soon as possible. Congress and Trump now have three weeks to negotiate, after which the government could either be shut down or, as Trump said on Friday, I will use the powers afforded to me under the laws and the Constitution of the United States to address this emergency. The deal reached last week to temporarily reopen the government did not include any funding for a southern border wall. Today, we are joined by Matt Perry, one of the 800,000 workers furloughed or asked to work without pay during the 35-day shutdown. So Matt, tell us, what would another shutdown look like for you and your coworkers? What would that mean for you? I think it would be a lot more of the same problems we were having during the shutdown with missed bills or having, in my case, to borrow money from parents and having to really get by as best you can and still have to work six-day weeks. So now you were uh, one of the furloughed workers, but you actually were called in to work, right? Yeah. So you worked without pay for that entire 35-day yeah. period. right? And what were some of the challenges to that? I mean, what were you hearing for you oh, it, and just from your... I mean, nonstop hearing from pilots, their sympathy, or hearing from other coworkers having, you know, their issues. And as, as union rep, I, I had to hear you know, things and try to relay it that higher up to like the, the national level of the union. So now tell us, where do you work? What do you do? And what are those critical responsibilities you had that, that made you come in and have to work during that time? I work at Washington Center and we are in charge of the airspace above Maryland, Virginia, Delaware, most of North Carolina, some of West Virginia. Um, my title is, air, or, sorry, is a flight data communication specialist. Mm -hmm. I'm also the union rep there for National Association of Government Employees. Um, so what kinds of things do, do would the public rely on you and your team for? Anybody that flies close into D.C., we are in charge of fly, filing all the flight plans for them, and that includes any of the politicians or big businesses that have to go into D.C. We are the ones that they have to talk to. So tell me a little bit about the lawsuit that you're pursuing and what you're hoping comes from that. So the, my union's pursuing a lawsuit where we would get double paid for what we worked already, as it's sort of a precedent that was set by a smaller union in that we would treat it as though it was a holiday and the people who worked were paid, should be paid as coming to work and those who were not, you know, allowed to work should be paid for, for you know, the furlough days. Right. And we're just basically getting what, what would be due 
to us in a in a different situation. Right. And have you have you gotten that back pay yet? Do you know when it's coming? No. We uh, still we've heard a couple rumors, but nothing's really come down that was super official even today. Okay. I believe the president said during his speech it would be as soon as possible, but yeah. so you haven't heard any dates. The, no, or... the the rumors that we've heard have about 60 80 hour paycheck within the first week. Okay. And then another one in a couple of days and then by the 15th they're supposed to be making it all whole just in time for the okay. the possible okay. next shutdown. Okay. <laughs> So you hope that you will have gotten that back pay by yeah. the potential next shutdown. Um, I mean, walk me through, take me back and walk me through what you and maybe your coworkers were going through. I mean, the first week of the shutdown, the second week, what is going through your mind as this is continuing and dragging on? And what are you hoping to see out of Washington? What are your thoughts there? Well, the first a week or so was just seemed sort of like uh, well we had a early we had a shutdown earlier in 2018 that only lasted the weekend so we thought oh maybe this will just be a short one nobody you know people were worried but it wasn't quite taken effect yet and then after about New Year's then it started to seem like okay something's really wrong here and we started having you know I started having conversations with some of my coworkers that they were having issues or starting to get a little little worried. And try to issues do issues like at home, yeah, paying issues at for home, things, yeah, and, yeah, paying for things, bills, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And then by uh, the tenth of January, um, it was it was all all way too clear. I I was even asked to speak at the AFL CIO um, can, uh, rally down on down in DC. Yeah, and so that was interesting for sure. And that's how I knew it was real that something this is going to take a lot longer. Yeah, so tell we us planning. about tell us about that rally. What was that, and what what did you say? Uh, I was asked to speak by my union's president out in in Chicago. He wanted me to to say a couple words, and so I went on there and spoke before Bernie Sanders, and uh, got to meet a lot of the the politicians that that were there. We had, I believe, over thirty politicians that came, mm -hmm. and so that was that was interesting for sure, and that really drove it home that this is going to take a little bit longer and be a little bit more intense than the smaller shutdowns that I've seen. So what were some of the discussions at that rally? Some of the discussions were like that it was supposed that we were trying to work and, and that we should be paid for that work. Um, a lot of people talked about impacts on their families. And I talked about how my, my son, he's five years old, and he then had to learn already what a, what a, a shutdown was and a mm -hmm. point that I said was it's kind of crazy to tell a five-year-old what a, what a political stunt is <laughs> and it was just it was very interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, and we've, you know, seen and heard a lot of stories um, in Frederick and throughout Maryland about, you know, maybe two parents who are both federal employees and and they're trying to take care of a child or a single parent and things like that. What is it as a parent to not know when that next paycheck is coming? That was definitely difficult because I am a single parent and knowing that he would want things or see things on TV or hear, you know, things that his friends are getting because Christmas came during the, the shutdown. So I couldn't quite spend as much as I'd hoped for that. So it was a little interesting to try to navigate that water with a five-year-old because you can't really explain to him, you know, why Christmas is a little bit lighter than, than mm -hmm. even the year before or anything like that. So what do you, I mean, we're looking forward three weeks from now. What are you hoping happens? I mean, I'm yeah, hoping I can guess, for, but <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that we still keep our our pay. Um, we will, of course, continue to do what we do. 
Um, I mean, I really like what I do and I, I'm good at it and I'm a professional and it's just, it's a little difficult when you're doing a hard job and you're not seeing, not knowing that you were going to get a paycheck in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, we knew we would get back pay and I've heard that from a number of people saying, well, you're going to get paid back in the end, but that's a little difficult to, uh, tell a landlord, oh, don't worry, I'll get you at some unspecified time in the future. It doesn't really work that way. So that was a little difficult. And one of the things that happened later in the shutdown, we were hearing about, you know, is in terms of air air travel, was that safe? And and how was that being impacted? Um, we're hearing a lot from TSA workers. Um, you know, it's kind of in your realm. Uh, do you see that your job was impacted at all or that other people weren't able to do aspects of the, you know, the larger job that are critical for it, what you do? It definitely was impacted. I, I think more so in the, level of of needing to not be there for daycare reasons or child care. Um, I know I work with some people that actually had to call out because they couldn't pay for a sitter. And it's, you know, difficult. And then we then have to try to make up for it with, with overtime that may not, you know, that at that time we didn't know when we would see again. And so you're you're covering for your fellow colleagues exactly. who are unable to pay for the typical daycare yeah. or whatever that they yeah. would have. Okay, so you're feeling that you're maybe working a little more than even you typically yeah. would while not being paid at all. Oh yeah, because we were already shorthanded going into this. Okay, and so we already pretty much everybody in my my unit is working six day weeks. So then to then be like, okay, I know it's your sixth day. Can you work a double? It's a little stressful, yeah. especially knowing you know you're not gonna. You will see money eventually, but it's it's not there. Yeah, and I think throughout the shutdown, when it wasn't clear when an end would be in sight, you you kind of heard from both sides of of the aisle. You're hearing from Democrats and Republicans, both kind of saying, "Oh well, you know, Democrats are saying don't give in to this wall, um, don't don't let that happen," and and then Republicans saying. Um, you know, the shutdown is worth it for border security and things like that. I mean, when are you, when you're hearing these conversations and these back and forth, what are you thinking? And do you feel as someone who was so directly impacted that it was worth um, what you went through? As a federal employee, you kind of can't really take sides on it when it's going on. And so that's a little difficult uh, going on, especially when you have clear cut ideas of who you think should be, you know, prevailing in the end. But it definitely made made that entire time seem like a total waste. It was really I, again. It was like five weeks of just a political stunt. Why does it feel like a waste to you? Because maybe the because right now we're just in a temporary. Kind of, yeah, a little bit of it being in a temporary, and my personal political views okay. just seeing it as as being like a really after all this. <laughs> So looking forward three weeks from now, if the government is shut down again, can you can you tell me, I mean, what what are some of the things that might happen? Will it just kind of be a replay of I think what you've be, already been through? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty much a replay of everything that's already happened. Um, everybody will probably be still pretty jaded from it mm -hmm. and think, oh, well, how long is this one going to last? And mm -hmm. it's going to be sort of, I think the, this, it's going to be still too early to pick that scab. And, right. And this is going to... It's going to be rough in three weeks. Right. Because, I mean, is there some kind of, you know, there must be some impact on morale. You're talking about oh, all the extra time, hours you're working. Time. If it were to happen yeah. again, I mean, would people start 
would people still come to work? I mean, would, yeah, at this yeah. point, would it just be so frustrated? Would you come to work still without pay in, in three weeks if that's what yeah, the situation I, was? I mean, yeah. it, again, I, I really like what I do. Yeah. And and obviously getting paid is the, the name of the game in the end. But uh, I like I really like what I, I can do. And it's uh, it's difficult, though. Yeah, I know a lot of the people I work with are kind of getting a little bit older, closer to retirement age. And I, I, I have heard the conversations of, well, maybe this will just be it or, you know, just that along those kinds of lines. Really? People are just saying, you know, maybe this might be it for me. Like yeah, they might yeah. um, quit or might uh, yeah. find another job maybe. Is that conversation yeah, yeah. at all? I, I, a lot of people are kind of, we have some people in our in our area that are over the retirement age okay. that they've basically just been kind of whiling out the end of their careers and they might just, they could conceivably decide this is, you know, the end. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how the shutdown impacts different age groups differently. Yeah. You know, if you are nearing retirement. Yeah, because as a younger person, it's a whole lot longer <laughs> that I have to be around. Right. And and, and, and and maybe as you're further along in your career, you have more of a savings and, and it's a little less yeah. impactful if you're not, you know. Yeah. yeah. Matt, thank you so much for joining thank us. For really appreciate me. it. Thank you so much. This episode of Frederick Uncut was produced by Graham Cullen, Wyatt Massey, and me, Emma Kerr, and edited by Graham Cullen. Mm-hmm.